What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode number four of the Joe and Joey show. If you're new to the show, welcome and thank you for watching us. Now, the way the show works is we usually have three topics each episode, which usually can be sports related or daily news related, and we discuss and debate those topics. However, on episode number four, we're just going to be talking about the aftermath of UFC 286 Edwards versus Usman. Before we get into that, if you want to see the video version of the show, you can watch us on our YouTube channel at The Joe and Joey Show. Make sure to leave a like and comment in the comment section and let us know how we can improve and what you want us to talk about in future episodes. Also, make sure to follow us on our Instagram at The Joe and Joey Show. Same thing, like, leave us some comments. Um, we really appreciate your feedback. Alrighty, Joe. Edwards defeats Usman in a majority decision at UFC 286 in his hometown, London, England. Did you see the fight playing out that way? Are you shocked? Tell me your thoughts on the fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked. Um, I thought Usman was going to come out and dominate. You know, Vegas had him as the heavy favorite again. I think he was like minus 240. He ended up closing at minus 260. Yeah, see, that's, that's pretty crazy. And Leon Edwards, it kind of looked like he dominated that fight. You know, Usman, I think the stat was he took him down four times. Five of 14 officially on takedowns. But it, again, it was like when he took him down, did he really do anything with those takedowns? You know, it seemed like Leon just got right back up and took really no damage. And then Leon with the striking, you know, especially that left leg again, he was kind of mm -hmm. wreaking havoc for Usman. And Usman just couldn't dominate like I thought he was with his wrestling. And, you know, Usman, I guess he's getting older, you know, 35, that's old. Leon's 31. So I, I kind of see what you saw now um, when you made your prediction. Yeah, you I, had Usman winning the fight, right? Yeah, I had him winning by decision. I think that was the most popular um, It was. Result. That actually closed at minus 115. So that was the, um, what everybody thought was going to happen Um the most probable outcome was probably Usman round five decision that closed as the most probable outcome in Vegas. That's what you had yep. um, that didn't happen. Leon Edwards actually won a five round decision. Yeah, usually that doesn't happen with Usman, right? Because he usually dominates um, his opponents. We saw him dominate Masvidal in Abu Dhabi and then knock out Masvidal again. And, you know, the last fight when he fought Leon, he was dominating that fight until the last minute of the of the fight. And, you know, I think the tide has turned now. I think Leon's confidence has skyrocketed through the roof mm -hmm. and Usman, you could tell he lost a little bit of confidence and was a little bit cautious. So I, I think Usman, I hate to say it, he might be done. Um, but you know, we saw it again, you know, after, after this fight, he's cocky. Mm -hmm. He was trying to get in Leon Edwards head and Leon just basically flicked him off. He said, screw you. I'm the champ. And I'm going to dominate. And he did. He won. Yeah, I thought Leon was going to win the fight, but I thought he was going to win by knockout. I didn't see him winning by decision, but he did win the fight. You know, I was on Le Leon Edwards. I was on the plus 200. I thought that was really good money for the simple fact that he had all the confidence in the world. He was the first person to take Kamar Usman down, first person to knock him out. And the fight was in his hometown, so I thought that plus 200 was incredible value. He ended up winning the fight. He ended up outstriking Kamar Usman 123 to 113. So 10 more strikes. I think the difference in the fight was definitely the leg kicks. 
Uh, Leon Edwards had 50 leg kicks out of 53 attempts. So very accurate with the leg kicks. 36 body shots, 34 head strikes. So he was mixing it up. You got the full display of mixed martial arts there. Head, body, legs. You know, Usman, he kind of struggled with the takedowns. And Usman looked timid to me. He looked like he was playing it safe in there. Like he wasn't really going for the win. He just was playing it safe and probably didn't want to get knocked out again. And that's what I thought was going to happen in this fight. Because that knockout he suffered in the second time they fought, that was a life-changing knockout. I don't care what anybody says. If that happens to you, there's no way you can just brush that off and be like, eh, whatever. You know, psychologically, that's massive. That was a massive knockout. Plus, everything was playing in Leon Edwards' favor, like I was saying, at home. You know, that line didn't seem, it, it just seemed off to me. And that's why I thought Leon Edwards was great value. You know, he stuffed 11 out of 15 takedowns. So kudos to Leon. He's the new champion. He's probably going to be the champion for a while at 170. Yeah, we saw Dana White come out and say after the fight that Colby Covington is going to fight um, Leon Edwards for the belt in Breaking July. Breaking news. Yeah. So that should be a good one, like you said when we were talking off camera. Uh, that was that was a good thing for Colby because he's lost to Usman twice already. So now he gets a, a fresh chance at the belt mm-hmm. against a new opponent. Yeah, they probably guaranteed him a title shot since he was the backup for that fight, and he still had to make weight and cut weight even though he didn't even fight. So Dana White said, be the backup of this fight. If Leon Edward wins, you'll get the title shot. And that's exactly what happened, so... Colby gambled, Leon Edwards won, and he's going to get another title shot. So I think Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards will be more competitive. Really? For the simple fact that, you know, Colby Covington's a different fighter from Kamaru Usman. He's got more of a gas tank. He maybe doesn't have the stand-up capabilities that Usman has. He doesn't have the power. He's more of a point fighter. But he's got a gas tank. And we saw uh, we saw Leon Edwards gas out to Kamar Usman in the second fight, and Colby Covington's got an even better gas tank. So that's going to be an interesting fight. However, I was still f- probably favor Leon Edwards in that fight, but you never know with MMA. Yeah, that's the beauty of MMA, and um, Leon Edwards has proven he can defend against wrestling. And Colby's a wrestler, right? So I probably think Gilbert Burns should have got that fight over Colby Covington. Or Hamza Chemaev. We've already seen Colby Covington in like two title fights. I don't think he really deserved that. So, I mean, you know, his last two fights lost to Usman and then he beat Masvidal. But does that really catapult you to a title shot when Gilbert Burns is there knocking people out, submitting people, putting on that performance like he did versus Hamza Chemaev? I think Burns should have got that title shot or Chemaev. I just think it would have been more exciting than to see Colby Covington get it for like a third time. Yeah, I think Chamayev, he he hasn't made weight. He didn't make weight in his last fight. So I think that's probably why he's not getting the shot. And Gilbert got robbed against Chamayev. So those are, are two L's right there. And like you said, Colby, you know, coming off a win against Masvidal, is that really, you know, does that really propel him into the, the number one contender spot? I don't know. But we'll see. Um, I think Colby, he does obviously have a chance against Leon Edwards. I wouldn't. Oh, definitely. I wouldn't count him out for sure. No way. 
So how do you see um, Leon Edwards' future as the champion? Do you see him defending his belt multiple times? Do you see him losing in his next title shot or his title defense? How do you see it? I see him defending it a few times. Um, I think Gilbert Burns can give him trouble. Um, you know, obviously on the ground, he's Gilbert Burns is obviously smaller, shorter, but has more power and could probably do some damage on the ground. But again, um, Leon just proved that he can defend himself on the ground against wrestling and probably against jujitsu too as well. So uh, Leon has the height advantage, six foot two at that, at that weight is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So I could easily see him, you know, defending it at least one or two more times. I don't know if he's going to be John Jones and defend it. No, nah, nobody's John <laughs> over 10 times, but yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah. How do you see uh, Kamaru Usman's future? I thought, you know, even in the post-fight um, interview, he didn't say he was going to retire. He said he was going to keep going. And he said he was going to see Leon Edwards again. I mean, that was their third fight. Leon won two of them. I don't see that fight happening again. I think Kamaru Usman should retire. I don't think he has anything left to prove. Defended his belt multiple times. Great winning streaks. What else is there to do for Kamar Usman? I think he should retire. He had a great career. Lost a close fight. Arguably could have won that fight. I don't think there's anything left for him. I don't think he has anything left to prove. I think he should get out now while his health is, you know, good. And that's what I see for Kamar Usman. I don't I, I just don't see I don't think he should fight again. I agree with everything you said. Um you know, especially in fighting, you know, to go to come out when you took, I'm not saying he didn't take any damage because he got knocked out really bad and the eyes rolled in the back of his head. But just I think it's it's time for him to hang it up. You know, 35 years old. He's been the champion. He's defended his championship belt multiple times. Um, there's like you, you nailed everything. There's nothing for him to prove. And I that was think- just the competitor and him talking. Yeah, it's just sad for him, though. I mean, I guess you feel kind of bad, even though he's a really cocky fighter, that, you know, he he dominated that last fight against Leon and was the champion and then got caught with that that left leg kick, or not leg kick, but left kick. Mm -hmm. Career-altering. Yeah. And, you know, you got to go out when you're still alive, when you're still healthy. You saw Khabib. He went out. He was undefeated. Took minimal damage, and... You know, he's a big name, a Hall of Famer, so go out while you still can. Man, that's like a legacy altering defining, altering shot. Yeah. Cause if he wins that fight, he's on an incredible win streak. Probably will go down as a top five fighter ever, maybe the best one seventy fighter of all time above George St. Pierre. I mean, it's crazy how that split second just made his career go from Mount Rushmore to just Hall of Fame. Right. It's 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 crazy. UFC is a wild sport. Yeah. We say it all the time. It's hard to even call fighting a sport sometimes because it's fighters do stuff that other athletes just don't do. Yep. All right. Let's get into the co-main event, event now. Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fiziev. Going into that fight, I had Fiziev. Winning and defeating Justin Gaethje. Uh, Justin Gaethje won a majority decision. Um, you know, one ref 
had the fight as a draw, and then the other two gave it to Gaethje, 29-28, 29-28. I thought Fizev won the first two rounds. He looked like the faster fighter, the stronger fighter, the more skilled fighter. But Justin Gaethje, one of the rest gave him a 10-8 round in the third round, and he dominated that third round and opened up Fizev. He was bleeding like crazy in that third round. Yeah. So what was your thoughts on the fight? You thought Justin Gaethje won the fight, or do you think... Yeah. Um, should have been a draw or Fazeev won? What would you think? No, I definitely thought Gaethje won the fight. And I thought he was going to win the fight too. Um, only because, you know, we saw Fazev and how powerful and explosive he is. But the thing with Gaethje is he makes it he makes it ugly. Like you're going to take damage in a Gaethje fight no matter who you are um, in most cases. And, you know, we saw Fazev, he's a kickboxer. And Gaethje, he's good at kicking as well. Like he... He ate up Fazev's front leg with those kicks and and basically took his his legs from him, you know, as the fight went on. So that explosiveness from Fazev wasn't there anymore, mm-hmm. and he just bloodied up his face. Like when you when you look at damage from Fazev's face and Gaethje's face, I thought it, there was no question that Gaethje won that fight, and he also had more strikes, you know, to the head, the body, everything. Yeah. So I thought it was undisputed. Yeah, early on, though, I will say it didn't look too good for Justin Gaethje. He does this thing where, like, he dips his head, and he's always, like, dipping low and covering with the guard and just going straight down. And I thought Fazev was really smart, and I thought his coaches had a really good game plan in the beginning. You know, body kicks up the middle, uppercuts up the middle, and that seemed to, like, affect Justin Gaethje in, like, the early rounds. But Justin Gaethje and his coaches, you know... They did switch up the game plan, and in round three, they just dominated, and that got Justin Gaethje to win. Yeah, 155, that's just a brutal weight class. You know, you think about Gaethje's last fights and who he's lost to. Poirier, that Chandler fight was like one for the ages. Um, Mm -hmm. I think 155 is probably the most impressive weight class in the UFC, in my opinion. Yeah, and then Justin Gaethje in his post-fight interview said he was going to go for one more run at the title. What that sounds like to me is he's just going to keep going until he loses, and the next time he loses, he's probably going to retire. He's been in a lot of wars, so I would like to see him go out on top and win a, a championship. It's just hard with that division. I don't think he's a better fighter than Poirier, Islam, Charles and you got Volk coming up from 145 as yeah well. so he's like four or five um that's probably Justin Gaethje maxed out right there against a really good up-and-coming fighter that was 12 and 1 in Fazeev so Justin Gaethje's got an uphill battle in front of him if he wants to win the 155 pound strap it's in my opinion, it's just going to be hard for him. There's so many killers in that division. So do you see Justin Gaethje winning the UFC title or probably not? I'd say slim to none. Slim to none, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's such a fun fighter to watch, though. I love watching everybody. He's like a fan favorite. Even in England, he was getting like more cheers than Leon Edwards was. I mean, he was a, he's such a household name. Everybody loves watching him fight. He always gets post-fight bonuses because he's a savage. So I like to see when I like it when Justin Gaethje wins. All right, so let's wrap it up and talk about the next big UFC event, which is UFC 287, Alex Pejera versus Israel Adesanya. 
So I want you to guess, who do you think is the favorite in this fight? Do you think Pihera, the champion, is the favorite, or do you think Adesanya is the favorite? I would say Pereira. Pereira. I don't want to butcher his name, but... He is not the favorite. Adesanya is the minus 155 favorite. So that's close to a pick So just by going just going off those odds, how do you see that fight playing out with Pejera beating Adesanya pretty much every time he faces him? I mean, you'd be a fool to pick against him, right? You mm-hmm. know, he's the champion now. Adesanya's got knocked out by him before he lost. Last time, I don't even remember how he lost last time. Was that another knockout? He got left hook KO'd, yeah. It was a TKO. TKO. The ref stopped it, but he yeah. was wobbly. He was probably going to get finished, yeah. So Yeah, I think that was last year. So I would say it'd probably be similar. Um, he could It could go to decision, and Pereira could win, but I don't think Adesanya's... I, I can't give him... I wouldn't bet on him if I had to, you know. Do you think Pereira is in his head? Absolutely. Um, whether he's trying to be or not, he's in his head because, mm-hmm. you know, you've been knocked out twice by the same guy. Um, he And I've never seen Adesanya go on ESPN and kind of be vulnerable to, and say, like, yeah, this guy's beat me. He's he's in my head a little bit. He admitted to that on national television. So mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't count him out, but I wouldn't bet on him. I wouldn't bet against Pereira. Yeah, you know, that fight was kind of similar to the Usman and Edwards fight. Pejera might have won a round, but Adesanya was winning like three rounds to one, and then he just got knocked out in the last round, just like Usman did with the Usman-Edwards two fight. But to me, this line, it doesn't make any sense. Vegas still favors Adesanya over Pejera, and the guy... Knock has finished him twice and beat him once in a decision. So this line doesn't make any sense to me. I can see why they would favor Adesanya, though, just on the fact that, you know, he was winning three rounds to one in a UFC fight. You know, UFC is different from kickboxing, which Adesanya lost the previous fights to him. The line doesn't really make any sense to me. This, I mean, these guys are both probably the best two strikers in the UFC. So to me, this is a 50-50 fight. It just depends where Adesanya's mindset's at. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. And I think it, it could play out similar to what we saw tonight with Usman and Leon. Um, you know, Usman and Adesanya are kind of in the same boat. Really good strikers, right? Uh, kind of point fighters. I consider them point fighters. Maybe other people don't. But I think Adesanya's going to come out almost scared. I don't want to say scared, but really conservative. And... Mm-hmm. And to me, that's going to not play in his favor. I think he can lose by decision or get knocked out again by by fighting mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, the line doesn't really make sense to me. Just by looking at this line, I would probably pick Adesanya. You know, I picked Pieta to win in the second and the first time they fought in the UFC, and I was right about that. He didn't really look good. I mean, he's got power in both hands, so he can finish. I mean, he's definitely the more powerful fighter. The line doesn't make any sense to me. So just for that reason, I would probably pick Adesanya to win the fight. Um, he's strong mentally. I think he's a little bit stronger mentally than Usman. So that's why I would give him a good chance to win that fight. I give him a 50-50 chance to win that fight. Yeah, and humility-wise, right? Like Usman's just a little bit cocky. Not that that really makes Adesanya a difference. Adesanya is a little cocky, though. 
Yeah, but he doesn't go to the extent of Usman of getting in your face right before the fight. You know, mm-hmm. the respect the respect factor is there. Um, so that maybe that has a little bit to do with his mental preparation. Maybe he won't be as conservative because he respects the fact that he's been knocked out. But I don't know. I, I don't give Adesanya much of a chance, even though he's the favorite somehow. Yep. So... The final thing we're going to talk about is the co-main event at UFC uh, 287, which is Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal. Us being born in Miami and Miami fans with everything, we would love to see Jorge Masvidal win. But in my opinion, I think Masvidal is going to get killed by Gilbert Burns. What do you think? Yeah, and I think this could be similar. This could be his last fight for Masvidal. You know, he kind of broke the internet with that flying knee on Ben Askren, but... Ever since then, what has he really done? I think he won that that fight against Nate Diaz, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that was the peak for Masvidal. Um, Burns, I think, is just going to dominate him. You know, he, I could see him getting knocked out, submitted. I think Masvidal is going to get finished, and ultimately his career is going to be over. Yeah, he's a minus, a minus 440 underdog. So Gilbert Burns is the minus 440 favorite. Four to one favorite, close probably will probably close in as a five to one favorite. That just shows the respect that everybody has for Gilbert Burns, and that you know he pretty much beat Jemayev, even though he didn't get the decision. I mean, that was a 50 50 fight, you could have called that either way. Yep, Masvidal would have got dominated by Jemayev, everybody knows that. I mean, unless Masvidal has some magic left in him, maybe he's got like a flying knee or. Overhand right, you know, with some in the beginning, like in the beginning round one or two, if he catches him, but that's about it. His his showings of late haven't been great, so it's hard for me or probably anyone to pick Jorge Masvidal. I mean, getting knocked out by Usman, getting sent into the shadow realm, and then Kobe Covington just ragdolled and bullied him for five rounds. Probably gonna be the same. Got beat up really bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't see it going well for Masvidal. The only way I see Masvidal winning this fight is if Gilbert Burns just abandons the wrestling and it turns into a standout fight, then Usman has a chance. Gilbert Burns, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. I mean, he could win this fight easy, takes him down, submits him. But if he doesn't fight smart and he just wants to stand up, you know, then Masvidal has a chance. So it just depends on how Gilbert Burns fight. If he fights intelligent, conservative, and smart, he'll win the fight easily. Yeah, and I think that's that's what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to be like a Gaethje that's not going to try and wrestle you at all or mm-hmm. take you to the ground. I think most fighters are smart, and they play to their strengths. And I think he's just going to get ragdolled again. I hate to say it. Yeah, I do think this is going to be Masvidal's last fight in Miami. You know, the card, UFC 287, is in Miami. I think he want to be a part of that. Maybe go out. I think win or, lo- win or lose, it might be his last fight. If he wins at Miami, goes out on top in his hometown, I mean, that would be like icing on the cake for his career. If he loses, I mean, it's in Miami where he started. So I think this is it for Jorge Masvidal, win or lose. That's my prediction. I think with a win, if Gilbert Burns gets this win, he's probably he's probably next after Colby. Um, that's just how I see it, so. Yeah, and I, I think it's kind of like Dana White's way of saying, like, hey, Jorge, you know, we, we know you're coming to an end. We're going to have you on as the co- co-main event in Miami in your hometown. Um, 
you know, he he blew up the internet with that flying knee and kind of... And the backyard street fights with Kimbo Slice. Remember that? Yeah. Jorge Masvidal. The guy's a legend in Miami. Yeah, shout out to Kimbo Slice. Rest in peace. Yeah, so that'll do it for us, guys. Uh, thank you for watching, and hopefully you found our picks insightful. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care, guys. The two fastest guys in the league, two most dynamic guys in the league. That would have been the most scary thing for any defense to go up against. Man, I wish the Dolphins would have done that. The money probably wasn't there. That's what I was hoping for. But, you know, we have Tua, and hopefully he can stay healthy this year. I'm praying for him. Yeah, let's go Dolphins. Super Bowl or bust. Yes, sir. All righty. Moving on to our final topic, topic number three reads. Miami-Dade police officer save an 8-year-old boy from drowning in a Miami canal. Now get this. The father of the 8-year-old who almost drowned, Orlando Valdez, had just picked up his son Christopher from daycare and were headed home to celebrate his birthday. The father of Orlando Valdez, or the father, excuse me, Orlando Valdez, said he felt a car coming in the opposite direction and was about to crash into them. The father ended up swerving to prevent a crash and ended up in the canal. The father quickly removed his seatbelt and turned to get his son, but was unable to free his son from the car seat. The car continued to sink in the canal, and Miami-Dade police officers responded to the scene. The first officer that got there was Edward Webster, and he quickly went into action and just dove in the canal to rescue the young boy. 
Other officers got to the scene. They were able to get the boy free after minutes submerged underwater and quickly provided CPR. After numerous chest compressions, Christopher Valdez, the eight-year-old boy, began to breathe. The child is expected to make a full recovery. So, Joe, the officers there were Officer Julian Reyes and Edward Webster. These guys are heroes. What do you think about the whole situation um, that took place with these officers, you know, saving this young boy's life on his birthday? It's incredible, right? Yeah, shout out to those guys for being heroes. Um, It kind of, it hit home for me a little bit, you know, being a father, having a young son. Um, just imagining myself in that situation. I can imagine. It's it's just, I mean, it's heartbreaking to see that that even happened. But, you know, it's that just goes to show you that police officers will, will put their lives on the line to, to save a complete stranger. You know, that eight-year-old, they don't know that eight-year-old kid. They don't know that, that dad. And that police officers are good people. And that 99.9% of police officers are good people that will put their lives on the line to do what those officers did in that situation. And it's a shame that the national news media, CNN and MSNBC, who have the worst ratings in the world, I mean, they're trash, never, ever would promote a story like this for political reasons. And... You know, imagine if these news stations, these national news stations actually praised police officers and how much more unified we would be. Right. So these officers are heroes and you'll never hear anything from the national news. You only hear it from a local news for five seconds. Police officers put their lives on the line every single day. So shout out to these guys. Um, They're heroes. Yeah. Good job, guys. And it's it's a shame that, you know, the national news wants to see. um negativity they thrive off the negativity right they don't want us to be united they want everybody to be against each other and yeah there there's always going to be a few bad apples but that's in that's in everything there's there's either good you're either a good person or a bad person so we i think in here in florida we all get along pretty well so i think you know there's really no issues there but we all we just have to stay together and and not let the negativity take over our country and the world. You know, the average salary of a police officer is 60,000 a year. You can't even live off 60,000. That is total BS for police officers to be paid 60,000. How about instead of defunding the police, we fund the police. How about using some of the money that goes to Ukraine, the hundred billion dollars that's gone to Ukraine. How about we give some of that to our police officers so they can have all the resources they need So we can get the best recruiting, get the best police officers in there, get the best cars, get the best training for these police officers. And imagine what we could do if we actually praised the police, we funded the police properly. 60,000 is total BS. The police need to be paid way more than that. They're put in impossible situations that nobody would do except for them. And they have to make a split second decision. And, you know, they're criticized more than they're praised. And that's that's not right. So the police need to be making more money. I believe teachers, school teachers need to be making more money. Because then you'd have, if school teachers made more money as well, we would have better education in our schools, right? Because they would only hire the best teachers and that would promote competition for teachers to have incentives, right? To teach at the best of their abilities. So, I mean, it's just a shame that you know, teachers and police officers and firefighters, they're not paid like they should be. 
And to tie all that together, police and teachers, why don't we invest in more security at our schools so psycho gunmen can't run in the schools and gun innocent children down? Why don't we try to create more jobs for, you know, maybe some homeless veterans that that would be willing to protect the school or or, you know, metal detectors, whatever has to be done. There needs to be a change. We need to help our schools stay safe. Um, we need to provide not just teachers, police officers, but, you know, hospitals, nurses, people, people that put their lives on the line and serve others every day. They need to be accommodated for it. They need to be compensated for for that so they can take mm-hmm. care of their family, take care of their own families and have a, a livable wage because $60,000 a year, you can't live off that in yeah. 2023. Yeah, the police need to be, all these people need to be paid more. And the fact that all of this money is going to Ukraine instead of helping us first, it's truly criminal in my opinion. Like, we could be using that money for so much good here, and it's going to another country, right? We can use that for the police force and many other things. Infrastructure. I mean, it's just a mess. You know, but shout out to Miami-Dade Police Department, um, Edward Webster, Sergeant Edward Webster and Julian Reyes. You guys are heroes. You saved that eight-year-old boy's life. And God bless you guys. You guys are heroes. Yeah, thank you guys. Alrighty, guys, uh, that's three. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace out. Have a good night.